This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919-1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. On this week's Big Tech Show, when will cars safely drive themselves on our streets? And who in Ireland is providing the technology to help them do that? We talk to one of the country's biggest automotive autonomy entrepreneurs. I have BMW Drive Assist in my own vehicle and it is much, much safer because we are all prone to distraction, especially when we're on the motorway from Limerick to Dublin, for example. We've all been there where you actually forgot a whole section of the road. So I would say if you take it from a safety perspective and it does allow you to kind of relax. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. If you like the Indo Daily, you can follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today on the Indo Daily, Mr. Flashy, the Gucci gang, and the latest feud to break out on the streets of Dublin. On a Saturday night, just before 2.30am, a smoke alarm rings out. It wakes the family at a home on Barnamore Crescent in Finglas. Later that night, after 11pm, Another house is petrobombed. This time, the casement area of Finglas. Then, news breaks of a third incident. Again, Finglas. Authorities fear these incidents are part of an escalating gangland feud between two faction groups. Gardaí have carried out searches as part of an investigation into a series of feud-related attacks in Finglas in Dublin over the weekend. Three houses and two cars were firebombed as part of a rivalry between two criminal gangs over the control of the drugs trade in the area. One led by the now-murdered James Whelan, the other by a man known solely as Mr Flashy of the Gucci gang. I'm Kevin Doyle, and today on the Indo-Daily we're looking at the latest gangland warfare to hit the streets of Dublin. Who are these feuding gangs? What has led them to murder, to firebomb homes, and to make numerous threats on social media? And more importantly, can they be stopped? Today, I'm joined by the deputy editor of the Sunday World, Niall Donald. Now, we've had Crumlin Drimna feud, we've had... Limerick years ago, we've had Drogheda in more recent times and now it seems like Finglas is becoming the new epicentre of gangland crime in Dublin. Yeah, I mean, it's it's certainly, um, I don't know if it's the epicentre so much, but it's certainly the flashpoint that exists in, in, in Dublin and in gangland crime. And similar to those feuds, actually, that you mentioned, in, in particularly in Drogheda and Crumlin, Drimna feuds, this is similar in that it's 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 caused by one gang splitting apart into two factions um which which was the case in Crumlin Drimna and I think that can lead to um a lot more uh, bitter feelings I suppose and and revenge attacks because these people were all friends at one point and have now split into two warring factions we'll get into who exactly they are in a moment but let me get a really simplistic question out of the way first which is this is all happening at a time that there is this massive clampdown internationally, not just in Ireland, on the Kinnahan gang. So is it a case that there is an opening in the market 
um, for criminals to 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 take up that kind of vacuum that's been left by the Kinnahans, or is that just a coincidence? Well, I don't think it's a coincidence in that the the that Fingless gang, that that the the flashy gang, as it's been mostly known, they were a Kinnahan offshoot. They were like a franchise in that particular area. I mean, the Kinnahans weren't, you know, delivering drugs in, in particular, and but they did have these franchise operations, um, in, and Fingless would have been a strong area for them in particular, where drugs would have been sold, uh, Kinnahan drugs would have been sold, and they would have had the Kinnahan name then in that area, and that would have carried a lot of weight. It would have stopped maybe people, uh, violence within the community, knowing that they had the Kinnahan backup. So once that has been removed in recent times, um, the fact is that the Kinnahan cartel don't have that iron grip on on organised crime in, in in Dublin anymore. And so what you have is kind of a breakdown of 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 that structure. And in in the vacuum has come a lot of guys, nearly all in their 20s, young Men, you know, you, you know, if you compare them to 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 people in Dubai, these guys aren't millionaires. They're not making loads of money, but by a certain standard, they have a lot of disposable income. They have access to guns, and they tend they're they're showing to themselves to be very very reckless. Um, and that's that's what's happened. There is a breakdown in, I suppose, the the, the gangland order, and these guys have filled the vacuum. So tell me then, who are we? We know they are the Gucci gang collectively. Is that right? Well, well, I mean, what you had was um, during the, the Hutchkinen feud, you had a few older criminals, mostly in their 40s in the Finglas area. And as the, the guard operation started to take down that those, the, the, the Kinnan cartel, these guys either fled the country, some of them ended up in prison. And so you had a group of youngsters um, who got called the Gucci gang. Um, for the obvious reason that they were wearing Gucci and designer clothes, um, and they operated really on, on a lot in in across Finglas, but also through Coolock, Blanchardstown, those sort of areas. And um, Mister Flashy was a, a key component of that. Um, so that's that's where the name comes from. You know, it was it comes from the the, the designer clothes. You know, and what is the split then? The split came um, um, over. Uh, you know they, these guys. You know, they're, obviously, they're, the the murder of James Whelan is 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 a, is a key factor in it in in recent times. But these guys were all the one operation at one stage. They're pictured together on social media previously, going on holidays, all of those things. And there has been a breakdown at some point. And you ended up with Mr. Flashy on one side, who we can't name. Yeah. And James Whelan and his associates on the other on side. The and other James side. Whelan is now. He's now, he, yeah, and he became the first murder in that in that in that feud. There obviously the Gucci gang was a broader operation, but that, that Flashy was a part of it. These guys were young guys, but they had connections into the Kinnahan cartel, into the Burn Organized Crime Group, um, and through those connections, they were they they rose from really from being just teenagers doing drug running drugs for for older guys to becoming the head of the whole that whole north side of Dublin. Um, to becoming the major suppliers. Um, but with it didn't come, like these guys, you know, maybe the older guys were certainly reckless and dangerous criminals, but they had a sense of trying to make money, trying to, you know, keep away from guard attention, all of those things. And these this younger generation don't seem to have had that. So they're, they're, they're Kinahan sponsored, 
but the the break there has been a obviously an internal split. Some of it's over over uh, money. Some of it's over very personal gripes. Um, but and it slowly escalated. Uh, you know, started off with taunting on social media, then you know waves of tit for tat violence, and obviously it's culminated now in a murder and a series of arson attacks. Before we talk about some of the actual incidents, I have to ask you, Mr. Flashy, the name. Hmm. I'm always intrigued. Where does that come from? That's a media construct. He, his mates didn't call him Mr. Flashy when he was in no, school. No, no, they, no, I don't think so. It's absolutely a media construct. Um, like, I suppose the tradition of naming uh, criminals probably stretches back to the to the Veronica Guerin days. So for, when Veronica Guerin was a crime reporter and she really, you know, dug into the criminal underworld in a way that nobody had done before. And um, in order for to, to get past defamation and libel law at the time, she couldn't name these guys. A lot of these guys didn't have convictions at the time. Um, so she started giving them nicknames. Now, this has happened before, but probably that's where it first came to. You're to, kind of thinking of people like the monk, as you mentioned, Penguin. Um, and yeah, and there was other 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 people, people for the Sunday World, Paul Williams as well would have. The coach, of course. The coach. Um, yeah, so there was there was various names like that. And that, that became a, a kind of a, a standard in crime reporting. Well, well, one I remember, Nyla, when, when I worked on the news desk in the Herald, that um, people related to Fat Freddie Thompson, who was a, yeah. a favourite in the Herald yeah. front pages at, at one stage, um, used to ring in to complain that his mother hadn't christened him Fat Freddie. No, no well, fat shaming is definitely out of fashion uh, now. Um, but yeah, there are obviously guys that are known. Um, I can think of some of the guys down in Limerick without getting into them in particular that would have had nicknames that would appear in the media. But so no, Mr. Flashy, where where did that well, one Well, I come can from? tell you directly where that came from. Um, it's it's uh, from our uh, Sunday World news editor and former Herald news editor that you would have worked with a long time, uh, Ema Rabbit, uh, came up with the name Mr. Flashy. Um, and it was to do with his... You know, because when he first started appearing, he was in his early 20s and he was, you know, what he was known as was the guy wearing all the flash gear. So that that's where that came from. Simple, simple. And then everybody else has picked it up and ran with it they, and he will forever now be known. As, and as yeah, that. it's not just the me, uh, in terms of it's, you know, it's a name that's been adopted and you'll see it in all their, their social media. Do you worry at all it glamorizes the scene at all? I mean, there's nothing glamorous about being called Fat Freddy, but Mr. Flashy does... Kind of well, I mean, I don't know if. Uh, I mean, it's a complicated question. You know, does does the reporting on 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 crime glamorize criminality? I mean, you'd have to say that possibly there is a, a truth in that. You know, obviously, um, you know, the the more the other side of it is that the reason, like he he became known as Mister Flashy because because he was showing off his wealth in the local community. That's what people were saying about him. And, and, you know, he'd already glamorized himself in advance of appearing in the papers. But look, there is there is an argument to say that even reporting on, on organized criminals in a, in, a, in a personal way, you know, some of them do love it. In fact, actually, with Mr. Flashy, we did get a couple of emails similar um, from somebody associated with him to say, can, you know, uh, it's not fair keeping calling him Mr. Flashy. And he does wear all the uh, designer gear, but it's all fake. And he bought it down in there. Uh, 
<laughs> in the market in this inner city. So we haven't got to the bottom of that, but <laughs> I, I, I don't know if that's true or not. So tell me then about James Whelan, because he wasn't someone who would have featured heavily in the papers before, but obviously after his death, you can name him and you, you're able to speak a bit more freely about, about what he was up to. Yeah, I mean, I don't think, um, you know, James Whelan, there was, there was no doubt that he, that he was involved in criminality, um, you know, and he did have a number of convictions, including convictions relating to drugs, even though he was a young man. Um, he'd also, when he was still a teenager, he'd had uh, 30,000 in ca- cash seized off him by the police. Um, so he would have been a, a, one of the guys that had come up with, with, with Mr. Flashy. Um, he was, you know, also closely associated with a guy called Trevor Byrne, um, who would have been a very serious uh, criminal. He's now currently in Mount Joy serving, you know, two lengthy sentences, one for possession of a firearm and one for an armed robbery. But he would have been a very notable figure in gangland crime in, in Finglas. And uh, James Whelan and Mr. Flashy would have been, you know, basically his runners. Um, James Whelan wasn't appearing in the papers in the same way as, as Mr. Flashy, but he would have um, become... Uh, a very, you know, successful drug dealer within reason in a certain part of Finglas. Um, and he would have been seen as the head of the the, the the gang rivaling the flashy gang, I suppose. And he was murdered. Why? Was it just because he was at the head of that gang and it was... Well, it's kind of, um, obviously, these things are, are complicated, but there was a there was a buildup of, of tension. There was a lot of tit-for-tat violence, um, you know, there was a series of incidents without getting into them in too great detail, um, you know, but on the night he was killed, what seems to have happened, and obviously there's an investigation going on, but he seems to have been gone to a, a home, to gone to an area in Finglas, Gardy believe he was about to carry on an arson attack, um, somebody seems to have got a tip off, he was in the area, and associates of Mr. Flashy have seemed to have appeared and shot him dead on the spot. And that takes all of this to a different space because up to that, yes, there was tit for tats and there was attacks and there was threats and obviously there was other criminality, drug dealing, all of that. But the moment somebody is killed, we've seen that before in other feuds that we mentioned, it takes it into a different sphere, doesn't it? Absolutely, because, you know, given the nature of gangland criminals, um, you know, if, if somebody does something to you, they always feel they have to escalate it again. You know, in order to get respect, you know, these guys have to go around collecting money and all these things. And James Whelan, um, you know, obviously was a drug dealer, as we said, but he was also quite a popular sort of guy in that local area and within that 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 sub community, I suppose, for want of a better description. Um, so the will and, you know, the other thing is that as you see, as it goes on, you see these guys are in their early 20s, but they also have these other connections with with criminals in the North Inner City, and everybody starts getting sucked into it. Something that probably is different about this one is the social media or the, the I suppose, the confidence to put some of these threats on social media or to put some of the slagging. And so we haven't seen that before, because if you're a criminal, you kind of want to stay under the radar and social media keeps a track of it. Yeah. So you see, I think you see two things that are slightly different. It did become a feature, the Hutch Keenan thing, but in, in a feud, but in a, a lesser way, it tended to be tweets about people. It tended to be more propaganda. Yeah, as well. a little bit of, and maybe even it's slightly more sophisticated. But the the you know the use of TikTok actually in this feud, which is the first 
gangland feud, you know, warred over TikTok for want of a better description. Um, so there are a lot of videos going up. Um, you know, they go up, they come down, the accounts are being set up every day, often coming down within quite quickly and they're just uh, unrelentingly vicious um, there's and a lot would of you see them Niall are they open for they're... anyone to, to see them if you, you happen to spot them on your absolutely trail? I mean they can be they can be you know TikTok isn't there to be a private thing you know it's there for people to view it and it's there um, it's there visible uh, very very and e- even though some accounts get shut down they seem to just slightly um, rename them and, and off they go I mean, the other feature of it is um, the focus on on, on family members, um, particular, particularly mothers, girlfriends, and sisters. Um, now, you know, in the in, in in the past, you know, obviously we've had thirty years of gangland feuds across the country, um, but really the, the 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 women and the innocent family members tended to be much. For the most part, there was an agreement to leave them out of it. And they were often seen as the innocent brokers at, at various stages when things got hot and heavy in some of the feuds as well. They were. And people really, you know, thought, well, you know, if somebody does something, if I do something to somebody's mother, somebody's going to do it to my mother. And they tended to leave them out. And there was even a, a degree of interaction between the women in, involved in these feuds in a sort of a, a, a amongst each other. Um, but this this social media war and also it's not just the threats, the actual arson attacks are really focusing on on innocent people that are merely related to or involved in relationships with these people involved in this feud. And I think that is a, it's a different, it's a different, uh, it's a, it's an escalation. Um, there's, there's a kind of a recklessness to it, you know, when you see the planning of all her, the court cases of the, the Hutch Kinahan murders, you see the, the degree of planning and organisation that goes into them. This is different. It's very, very reckless. Um, and that would lead you to believe that the police will eventually catch these guys. But it's also very dangerous because these people clearly aren't trying nearly to get away with things, you know, and that makes them more reckless and you know, more dangerous possibly. And tell me about the incident with James Whelan's mother and there was several incidents around that that happened in in recent nights because that is something different from what we've seen before. Yeah, I think it is. Um, But what you saw in in Sonia Whelan's house, the mother of James Whelan, Sonia Whelan is no involvement in crime. Um, She's involved in a legitimate job, absolutely you know, no no involvement in anything like that. But her house was firebombed. Um, we took pictures of it in the Sunday world. You can see the, the house being firebombed at the front. We also took a picture at the back and you can see the fire spread the whole way through. Um, the house is wrecked. The house is wrecked. Um, clearly people could have been killed. Um, you know, it's it's not an attempt to, to solely to intimidate. It's an attempt to also, you know, target somebody that could cause it. Was there anybody in the house now? There was people in the house, uh, including um, Sonia herself, who got out. <clears throat> and when you go out, when she got outside, she sees her, her own cars associated with her set on fire and everything. So like that, that's, that really is unusual. So um, she's lost her son and now she's lost her home as exactly. well. Exactly. And, you know, obviously, um, uh, you know, she was grieving her, her son at that time. Um, you know, it's, it's, it is very uh, inhumane, you know. There was always a thing, of course, and you see it in, in TV programs, you know, somebody's in the game or, you know, they're involved in criminality and, you know, they kind of, they, they, 
they accept something, some threat that goes with this life. But you cannot say that that people's mothers are, are, are you know, make that same deal with the devil. Um, so it's terrible. Like it's 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 shocking. And then and was the, there a response for that? From there was, that then there was a response. There was further firebombings um, from uh, uh, people associated with with the James Whelan side of the of the feud, and further innocent people, uh, women were targeted in, in further arson attacks. And then in the middle of all of that, you have, you know, if you look on TikTok, not to get into it specifically, but you have pictures of, of people's mothers, people's girlfriends, people's sisters, vile threats, vile uh, abuse for them. So that that is what the guards are facing with is that you know it's not it's not good enough solely to monitor the hand the you know the small core of of gangland criminals now they're having to monitor you know sisters of people girlfriends of people very very volatile um you know and and of course the risk of these things is you know if somebody's mother is targeted that's even if there's you know people put away that sort of uh, 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 revenge is not going to go away you know. So it's a very volatile situation and it's a lot of these things are being carried out by people that are really uh, reckless, you know, dangerous criminals. Maybe if they, not. If they are that reckless and, and they, they're taking chances that perhaps some of the more seasoned gangland figures that, that we mentioned there might take, surely it will be easier for the guards to catch up with them. We've seen what happened, you know, Limerick got to a point where there was just a total shutdown on Limerick by the guards. The same thing happened in, in Crumlin and Drimna and there was a similar exercise in Drogheda and the North Inner City. So eventually the guards rock in there. So is Finglas going to be crawling with guards now? And, and well, I think I think the, the, like there's t- like the guards take time to build cases. I mean, that's just the way it is. And you saw it, say, most recently in Drogheda where, you know, it, it, the feud there spiralled out of control and it took Gardy maybe six months to a year to build cases to catch up because you're not going to get um, people coming in making statements. I mean, that's the reality of what guards have to to deal with in these situations that, you know, people are, are afraid of, of, you know, which is the easiest thing is for a guard to get a statement and that becomes a prime piece of evidence. But look, they'll be all over phones, they'll be monitoring stuff and these guys will end up behind prison or end up behind bars, you know, shortly. Um, that's just the way it is. This feud will... will Will burn know, out as well. It'll burn out, um, and they these guys will be caught. But it does take a time, and in that time, there is a serious threat to life. And just lastly, Niall, it's it strikes me because uh, my colleague Connor Feehan went out to Finglas the week before last, trying to do kind of how the community are feeling, how people there living amongst all this violence and threats how they are trying to to get on with it. And I think he was really met with silence, to be honest. People didn't want to talk about it. People didn't want to acknowledge it, Um, which is very different when you think back to maybe the 80s or the 90s where there was all this pushers out, protests, people on the streets and kind of people power turning against the drug dealers. But there does seem to be kind of a heads down at the minute. Yeah, well, I mean, I suppose, firstly, for the obvious reason that that... Um, you know, you're talking about a, a feud within a, a, a enclosed community. Um, and so people are at risk, you know. I mean, innocent people are being targeted. What happened in the in the 80s was you had a sudden explosion of heroin dealing. You had um, 
a crew of maybe what, what used to be called organ, ordinary decent criminals and you had paramilitary forces and they um, used to keep order. But you have to say though, uh, Kevin, people are, in, in Drogheda, people came out eventually. Um, they had protests in, in the town centre. They did start to speak out. Um, and the same happened in Limerick, as you'll remember, there was following, a, after a couple of innocent people were killed, people did come out. But it did, people are at risk of speaking out and that's just the way it is. So it's, it's probably so uh, diversified that sort of organised crime within that community that it's 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 just not like what it was. Um, but you know, people stand up every day in small and, and, and small and big ways in in these communities, and you'll still find people giving evidence, giving statements, you know, speaking to Gardaí. But yeah, they are. It it it, it it's it's a complicated situation. There's no doubt. Noel Donald, deputy editor with the Sunday World. Thank you very much. And I suspect this will be a topic that we will be talking about again on the Indo Daily in the future. I'm Kevin Doyle, and today's podcast was produced by Mary Carroll with research by Garrett Mulhall and Tabitha Monaghan, recorded by Gavin Hennessy, and sound design by John Smith. Archive clips were from RTE. If you enjoyed the Indo Daily, you can follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.